Hello. Hi. I'm Adhara. I'm Stella. And we're here to tell you about our new indoctrination into romance novels. Oh yes, that is happening. Uh, so basically, we both hate romance novels. Yes, correct? You hate them too? The bad ones, like this one. Yeah. You know the ones we're talking about. The one where your Nana goes to the library and tries to find one, or the ones that are for like $3, like the one that I found. And it's like got the cheesy Victorian front. It's in like pinks or something. And it's like this scandalous rendezvous from the 1800s. And everything, every page, every sentence is a cliche made from every other romance novel. And ooh, the cringe fest is painful. If you have secondhand cringe, I recommend not listening to this podcast. You may very much regret it. So anyway, did I ever tell you the time? (laughs) Okay, so I have a funny story. So there was this one time when I was in middle school and I was at the library. And there was this little old lady getting help from this librarian or a volunteer who worked, you know, volunteers at the library. And (laughs) she was like, yeah, I want those romance novels, like 80 year old little dinky lady, like maybe four foot eight. And um, I want those romance novels, you know, the one, the dirty ones with like all the naughty, filthy stuff in it. And I'm just like, damn lady, (laughs) help. I mean, I'm proud of her. She was expressing her sexuality. It was just very bold. I was like, someone needs to get this woman a fucking Kindle reader. Maybe the library clerk should have given her this book. This isn't even close to anything. But I guess. (laughs) Anyway, we were very much inspired to start this podcast. Just because of the fact that we got inspired... (laughs) by SNL's skit. I believe it's called um, Romance Bookshop. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really hilarious. There's a bunch of cliches in there and it just really inspired us to actually pick up a book and kind of see how things are going. So uh, what's going on here? still recording. It is? Okay. Sorry guys, technical difficulty. Just making sure that things are still working. If my phone turns off, it's not the end of the world, you know? Um, Yes, we are very high tech here. We are using a cell phone and a mic. I know, very impressive. Any gay. (sighs) I hate romance novels. I hate them with a fiery passion. If I'm reading them seriously, I want to vomit in my fucking mouth. I don't understand who sees this as good literature. I see it as stuff that needs to be set on fire, stuff that could be recomposted and reused into textbooks. But I digress. We got this as a laugh because we were going through, um, you know, the works of lovely COVID and we thought we'd find something to joke about. And we're like, you know what, if that SNL skit can make us laugh so hard, I bet you tend to want a book that's absolutely ridiculous and is in the romance novel selection would murder us and it has slaughtered us. I picked out the book this time around. Um, this absolute bin of a book. Yes? I was just saying, I was gonna say the title. Okay, so 
Let me describe the cover for you guys before you say anything. <laughs> we have the perfect cliche. We have a bare-chested man with steam rolling off of his body, and we have a woman with long, dark tresses. Of course, this man is brunette, too. Tall, dark, and handsome, always. Um, and she's wearing a ball gown, but it's undone in the back. She doesn't have any corsetry or anything, you know. Very much, uh, very historically accurate, you know. Not really. Um, okay, you go ahead and read the book title. Okay. It's, it's all yours. And Then Comes Marriage by Celeste Bradley, a New York Times bestselling author. How? I swear, I you could just... <laughs> You can pay. I swear you can pay for something like that to be said on your book. But here's some of the stuff that we read on here. Like, it says, first comes seduction, and then comes marriage. Like, what? Anyway, here's the back of the book for you. From best-selling author Celeste Bradley comes a rollicking tale of two identical suitors, one ravishing widow, and a wickedly rousing game of rivalry and romance. Twice the temptation. After years of being a quiet, dutiful wife, the recently widowed Mrs. Miranda Talbot is finally free to do as she pleases. As an attractive woman of independent means, Miranda is suddenly turning heads all around town. When she meets the dashing Mr. Castor Washington, she is swept away by his passion. Is he too good to be true? Do you want to hear uh, the next one's yours? Double the desire. Little does Miranda know that there is more to Castor than meets the eye. In fact, he's a twin, Castor's brother, also a confirmed bachelor, takes his romantic pursuits and rivals very seriously. When Castor discovers Miranda is being courted by his own twin, his competitive nature takes over. Who will be the one to win Miranda's hand and heart? The race to say I do is about to begin. Oh my. Yes. Yes. And the publishers are St. Martin's paperbacks. There's a reason why it's paperback and there's a reason. <sighs> Historical romance bullsh bullshit. We picked this up for three bucks. Also, I forgot to mention, we are just going to be reading this once a week. There's only so much we can stomach before we die inside. And honestly, I there's sometimes I can't even stand it personally. Or the cringe meter just goes off the rails. Yeah, it seriously does. Um, we are way ahead right now. But don't worry, guys. We have forgotten a lot of the chapters because it is so traumatizing. And... Uh, we also have a lovely, lovely key that we're using. Uh, we highlighted special moments. We have markers for things. And we'll go through this. I want to upload on Wednesdays. Is that, is that fine? Wednesdays once a week so we can just torture ourselves, cry, and then go and have a nice day or something. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, so here's some of the things on the key. We also have a nice section on the back. Yes, we don't have any respect for this book. Usually, if I have a respect for a book, I would never highlight and write in it unless it's like a self-help book because, well, that's your own, you know, personal message for yourself. But this is just garbage, so I really don't care. Anyway, we also have a section for iconic comments, and we have it by chapters, and I ruined it already, so it's no big deal. But let's go ahead and get back to the key. 
So we have orange for cheesy moments, green for cringe, yellow for family secrets, pink for ridiculous cheating scenes, blue for... Ooh, what a twist! And then we have a mix of pink and blue because we didn't have a purple highlighter, but now I found one, which is fucking extra AF. We have a little asterisk for loves it. We have an asterisk with a circle around it, which makes it look like a cute little cheap snowflake that you made in the first grade on one of your pictures for the holiday season. That's love it a thousand suns. Some real bullshit. Must turn to first as cheer up. Okay, cool. Um, C first, which is a heart for romance. Now, Stella was thinking there was something worthwhile in this book. And we are like almost five chapters in. <laughs> There's nothing. It's a sin. Everything's a sin. Anyway, continuing on, we have a little spiral like on Blue's Clues equals best comments. Pink is Stella. Blue is me, Edhara. Green is innuendos. Yellow underlined with pink is a 10-pound hands trope. Purple underlined is scandalous. And a brown underline is something that's an asshole moment. Um, let's read a little bit about Miss Celeste. I bet that, you know, she's a lovely person. I just hate this book. So, no per- I butchered it so badly because of one sentence, so I decided to restart the back about Miss Celeste. So, Celeste Bradley is the New York Times best-selling author of The Runaway Brides, Heiress Brides, Liars Club, and Royal Four series. Her novel, Fallen, was nominated for a Rita in 2002. When you are over-endowed with imagination and under-endowed in punctuality, become a writer. That statement slipped me up so bad, I was like, WTF. Anyway, continue on. Years of dreaming on the job paid off when Celeste Bradley quit the mainstream. The mainstream, oh in 1999 and started writing historical romance handsome heroes but not oh sorry handsome heroes beat out cranky customers every time bradley lives in new mexico oh fun with her family her desert garden and so many pets the house sometimes feels like an ark <laughs> you can visit her website at www.celestebradley.com I will admit, I'll give her credit though. Even though I think this book, on a serious note, is absolute garbage, I think it is honestly so entertaining as a comedy book. Reading it as a romantic comedy or a just sketch from SNL is iconic. And I think that's an interesting, interesting way that she described herself. I never really read the back, I'll be honest. Anyway, uh, let's read some other things about this. Uh, okay, I have patience. Usually we just read the chapters because I just think this is all tomfoolery. Um, like an introduction to the book, the author, and what everything is about. Yeah, I think the rest is just... Um, I have no idea. I think these are from other books. I don't really want to read things about other books. Oh yeah, they're just like little snippets about her other books if you're interested. Reviews of other books, yeah. Oh, my bad. I mean, I really wouldn't recommend torturing yourself at home, but if that's really what you want, 
that's okay. You know, sadomasochism is on the rise. <laughs> uh, if you purchase this book without a cover, you should be aware that this book is stolen property. It was reported as unsold and destroyed to the publisher, and neither the author nor the publisher has received any payment for this stripped book. Stripped book? Uh, don't worry, no one's gonna steal a book from 2013. And obviously, and the cover, a cheap so it's not book. Yeah, obviously, very not stolen. Why would anyone steal it from a cheap dollar store? You know, or like, I don't know, Five and Dime. Five and Dimes don't really exist anymore, but you catch the drift. That is curious, though. Like, how would you know that it's stolen? Like, Maybe someone just really loved the cover. Yeah. And, I mean, the sales bar's on the back. And also, who's gonna... Oh, no, a thief. I have to rip the cover off before they can steal it. Like... I... It's or, like, funny. that's how you're gonna... Yeah, I don't get it. Oh, well. That would explain that one book we got, though, that had the front ripped off that we found in the middle of a road once with all those names in it. So true. Yeah. Maybe it's stolen. Who knows? <clears throat> okay. So, here's the setting. <sighs> Do you want to go first? I'll throw you down. Oh, great. So, it is England, 1818, and we are on chapter one. If only I dared, I might be the most blissful of women. Although tiresome good sense rushes to assure me, I might well be the unhappiest with a lifetime of regret ahead of me and only sweet memories behind. I think I might take either future rather than live one more day in this tedious shelter of unloved and overlooked. If only I dared. <sighs> <laughs> so already we have a comment right off the bat from yours truly who loves it a thousand times as the sons which reminds me of snl already and it's highlighted in green which i believe is cringe yes cringe we have two different greens we have a lighter green and then we have like a blue green almost a teal that's supposed to be in innuendos so we're this is cringe i'm sorry i didn't explain that better earlier and now we're on to this orange section, which is all just cheesy garbage. Really, everything from the beginning is either going to be green or orange, and we'll tell you kind of where we came from. Mrs. Gideon Talbot strolled sedately down the walk. Miranda was without her maid today, for poor Tildy had a bad cold and was nestled up in her attic bedroom with a hot pot of tea and a crock of broth. Miranda liked feeling unfettered by company. Why exactly did a lady need to be accompanied by a maid at all times? Tiny Tildy could hardly protect her in a crisis. Nor was Tildy needed to carry parcels, for Miranda merely gave the vendors her address, and everything she purchased was delivered promptly without fail. She had, you know, 1818-style Amazon Prime. <laughs> she she already knew what she needed she was like here get to me get to my house my maid doesn't really need to do anything cool bye when was a wealthy respectable widow the world tended to do as it was told Ten oh. yeah I did what the f okay 
Such a position was quite refreshing, to tell the truth. So instead of making the usual round of shops and vendors, Miranda directed her hired hack to let her off in an unfamiliar neighborhood. This was yours, which is... It's 1818, you... Gonna die. You're gonna die, right? Because the unfamiliar neighborhood, we put that under uh, cringe. It's like, why would you do that? It's such a stupid idea. So this was Stella's comment. Yeah. That's that's basically it. Just like, it's 1818, you're being let off in the middle of nowhere, in unfamiliar territory. As a wealthy woman. For no reason. Just, I'm gonna go out and... Enjoy randomness. Mm, Yes, endeavor the dangers that might be possible in a dangerous neighborhood that I know nothing about in the sketchy squalors of England. Also, she's wealthy, so she's rich enough to get somebody to drop her off. And stupid enough to get out in the slums. But she can't hire, like, a guard or something? She can't, oh, I don't know, just be dropped off anywhere else. No, it has to be here. Alone. Alone. But it'll set the mood for what's coming up next. Oh, wow. Thank you. Okay, so. I can't believe we at first didn't have the 10-pound hands trope. We actually had to come up with it later because it was referenced so much. (laughs) We didn't realize it was going to be that heavily referenced. It wasn't as though she actually expected to see him here. She was simply curious. She knew he resided nearby and wished to know a little more about the men she could not stop thinking about. And then, ahead of her, as if summoned by her thoughts, a tall brown-haired fellow stopped out of an alley and ran across the street, dodging carts and riders and piles of horse apples. Cheesy, of course. Horses are always a weird thing in romance novels. We should have... It hasn't popped up much, but if we got a farm one, we would definitely make just a highlight for horses. For a young, strong man, he needs to ride upon a strong horse. He's a horse feeder. He feeds the horses horse food. Miranda knew that man. She knew the breadth of his shoulders and the way his hair curled down over the back of his collar, and most especially... She knew that hard, muscled horseman's bottom. Cringe. Cheesy, too, honestly. It had sat upon her sofa for most of the last month of afternoons while she piled its owner with tea and conversation. Mr. Bullock's Worthington. Mr. Worthington was a handsome fellow indeed, but his primary attraction for Miranda was his easy smile and wicked sense of humor. After her dry, lifeless, lovelage marriage had turned to a quiet and dusty widowhood, the heat and light generated by Mr. Worthington's call had become the climax of her days. It was entirely proper For her to have a gentleman caller or two, she reminded the harsh voice echoing in her mind from the past. She'd completed her half-mourning, and she'd allow only two entirely respectable fellows through her very respectable door. 
really fast. We just said this was cheesy. Here comes a little bit of that good old fashioned. Let's see what we're trying to make it. Ooh, what a twist and cringe at this point in time. Their calls took place in the bright light of the afternoon and rarely lasted more than congenial half an hour. In if her mind sometimes wandered to Mr. Worthington's wide, capable hands, or if her eyes lingered on his lips, or if her imagination waxed eloquent on the probable feel of his muscular buttocks, in her hand, well, no one had to know what went on behind her demurely downcast eyes, did they? That was so much cheesiness. So much cheesiness. We definitely... I mentioned 10 pound hands. I really did. And, uh... Yeah. Continuing on. We got the 10 pound hands trope already by page 3. Mr. Worthington had not cancelled upon her in the last few days. He had not called upon her. Okay, yeah. I read that right. Miranda told herself that she wished only to determine that he was well. Perhaps a broken bone or three would most gratifyingly explain his strange and abrupt absence after he'd been so attentive. Okay. So it was merely out of friendly concern that she now strolled in the vicinity of his home. She hadn't followed him there. Truly, she hadn't. I commented, what a creep. And also, the more I read this, the more I'm just like, Jesus, this is such a toxic, compulsive behavior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, since he was there, and by random chance, so was she, and they happened to be dawdling on the same street, well... She could go on all day in her mind on how she wasn't tracking the man like a hound on a scent, but the fact remains that she was doing exactly that. Yeah, she's a creep. She's psychotic. This is really toxic behavior. You need therapy, Miranda. Too bad it's 1818 and no one believes in mental health. Now, uh, even after so brief a separation, the sight of him made her smile. Okay, now we get to all the cheese. I believe I am giddy. I am impossible. I am much too mature and respectable to become giddy. 31 years of age and a widow to boot. How could the mere sight of a certain fellow transform her into a mooning schoolgirl? This is unbearable. I refuse to participate in this preposterous state of affairs. For one more moment. Didn't he look fine, though? He was early summer sunlight pouring over him like golden honey, gleaming his light brown hair and creating this intriguing shadow just beneath his chiseled cheekbone. He was so handsome, giddy and dreamy, intolerable. And I said, ah, this bitch, eh. That's my line, bitch, on preposterous, because I always say it that way. It's, it's funny. Preposterously. <laughs> Panic set in. What should she do? Should she be casual and assured and greet him nonchalantly? 
Should she stand there like an empty-headed bit of plaster statuary and hope he spotted her? A little bit more cringe for you guys. Mm -hmm. Miranda bit her lip as she considered her dilemma. Or was she considering Mr. Worthington's bottom? It was muscled and hard, clad in tight riding breeches, and just the right shape and form for a man. Ah, body shaming. We love it. We love ideals. Thanks. After all, too little bottom and a fellow's back fell directly into his legs like a rain, like rain down a gutter. Too much bottom, and a fellow bore an unfortunate resemblance to a duck, including the tendency to waddle. No, the derriere in question was without in doubt a superior specimen. Cringe again. And it belonged to her, or it could be long to her if she dared. That very bottom had sat upon her parlor sofa for many afternoons in the past few weeks. Day after day, visits and cups of tea and delightfully witty conversation to Miranda's good conversation was more heady than wine. I doubt it. Her late husband had never been much of a talker or a listener, really, for a plain girl like her, with her gawky elbows and knees and that unfortunate tendency toward flatness in the bosom. More cringe, of course. No, this is cheesy. I'm sorry. It's cheesy. It wasn't Gideon's fault that he'd not realized she wished to talk. She'd been virtually ordered to silence by her grandmother while he courted her. That harsh voice rang from the mists of the past once again. You'll sit silently and you'll keep your good posture and you'll nod, but not too much. Mind you smile, but not too widely. The echoes of her grandmother's ranting rang as fresh as ever. You'll shall not shame me like your wild mother that's hussy! More cheesiness. That my pathetic son should have dishonored himself or... Well, the rest of that was better not thought on. Time and maturity had finally gifted Miranda with a bit of a bosom, and she learned to manage her elbows and knees with grace, mostly by keeping her movements slow and flowing. More cheesiness, of course. Would you like to take over the next four pages, please? Sure thing. So I can take a break from this. I, I need a sip of water. Where were you on here? Literally right here. Oh. Should I continue? Since it's, the setting is England, should I go ahead and do that voice? Honestly, any romance novel is what I think of. It's just, it's not even a British accent necessarily to me. It's, it's just, just like, like a, uh, huh, it's like a goose in a British accent. Had a had baby. A baby. Yeah. yeah. Yet she'd never truly been able to stop her mind from coming up with odd things to say. She'd only learned to keep her mouth from uttering them. The derriere, the man she'd be observing, left the building that he had previously entered only to dart across the street, back down the alleyway opposite. Curiosity, while unbecoming, in a sedate and mature widow of thirty-one years, mooed piteously and scratched to be let in. 
frowning slightly. Miranda could not resist pausing in her perfect, innocent, not at all unseemingly stroll to peer down the alleyway, which came abreast of it. She could see very little but dingy cobbles and shadowy rubbish bins. Historically inaccurate there. Yeah, because did they just throw their trash to the ground? <laughs> um, I don't think they really had trash cans yet. They usually did throw their stuff in the ground and they'd usually sweep it up in the street still, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No like there might have been a cart for garbage, but there wasn't yeah. really garbage cans. Might be wrong, but I'm fairly sure. Cer fairly yeah, sure it's eighteen eighteen. If it was more towards the later eighteen hundreds, I could believe it a little bit more. The morning sun did nothing to illuminate the narrow lane between the tall, thick brick buildings. Tilting her head, Miranda listened carefully, but heard only a few strange noises, amplified by, amplified oddly by the narrow passage. Ladies, especially not sedate widows of a certain age, did not trot down alleyways after men. Yet the unfettered sensation caused the dutifully Tildy's absence gave a gloss of freedom to Miranda's thoughts, a shame they not had seen for so many, many years. I can do but I can do as I please. I'm no one's wife or charge. Besides, Mr. Worthington was nice, respectable fellow, prone to amusing conversation about books and current events. Perhaps he had perfectly good reason to be in such an odd location on a weekday morning. She opened that figurative door, and curiosity strolled in, tail high and crooked and question mark at the tip, <laughs> without really allowing herself to wonder the question. Further, Miranda began to pick her way down, down the dim, dim narrow alleyway careful to avoid soiling her hem on any of the many wads of namelessly rather not know on the damp slimy cobbles. <laughs> yep, slimy. garbage on the floor. Yeah, duh. <laughs> she lifted her skirts with one hand and used the other to trail along the brick wall to the right, as if by keeping a few fingertips onto something solid she could prevent being swept away by her own curiosity. She kept close to the wall, stepping away from it only briefly to avoid something especially noxious at her feet. I keep laughing because it's like my little voice is just so bad. It's okay. I, I want to die inside when I hear mine, but then I'm just like, you know what? Read it like you would perform on a stage. <laughs> I might dip in and out from being able to do the voice because I'm like so intrigued by this book. The distant clanging noises increased in tempo and volume. Now it sounded as though a machine were grinding away. She could definitely distinguish the grinding gears, pistons pumping, steam whistling. What curiosity swiveled its ears and quivered its whiskers. In heaven's name could lie ahead. Pucks Worthington turned to his companion and spoke. Oh, it's a scene change. I told you it would work. His green eyes gleamed. Caster Worthington, who looked a great deal like Pole. Is it Pole or? It's Pole, yeah. Pole? Yeah. Like Dripper Pole? 
<laughs> Being his identical twin, after all. Only frowned as he pondered the giant contraption that took up most of the space in this crook in the alleyway. It was so large that it had to do the most of the secret final assembly here. In this canyon of brick and stone, with bad light and con constant chance of discovery, it was a steam engine at heart. All the other many parts and functions had been added along the way to suit Paul's evolving design. Now it was meant to be a steam engine, a water pump, a pressure cooker, a home heating device, and of course, a work of art worthy of gracing the palace of the Prince Regent himself. Cass wrinkled his brow. Just like many of Paul's very worst ideas, it all sounded most interesting at the time. Now Cass wondered how long the test would take. Had he had matters pressing to attend to, well, it runs sort of. As for actually working, Paul rolled his eyes and raised his voice over the noise of the engine. You still doubt me? Did I get all of it down this alley after you said the cart wouldn't fit? Well. Yes, but... And didn't I get it fired up after you said the coal was too damp? Cass shook his head. I didn't say damp. And isn't it right this very moment running like a top? Maybe spinning around if it was. Yeah. Once more, Cass gazed at the disgusting, clanging, Gusting. I must be frank, hideous creation. I still think coal is a poor choice. It burns too hot. The steam pressure will... Wood heat will never get the pressure high enough. Just wait. You'll see. Just then, the whistle they had affixed to the meter blew sheerly. Paul grinned triumphantly when a shot of neat plume of steam in the air as it drilled. Ha! Listen to that. Cass listened as the whistle squeaked. Then it screamed. Then it popped a rivet detaching itself to blow off the stack and sail across the alley, its thrill weakening in a s sudden pathetic whimper. Paul's face. Paul's grin faded. Oh, damn. Oh, oh damn. damn. <laughs> She's about to go boom. The twins boom. stepped back at once, cast down one side of the alley, pulled down the other, after a brief alarmed glance at each other through the growing clouds of steam that really shouldn't be there, they sat back again and again. So they just, oh no, this thing's going to explode. Let's this not thing's try to, going to explode. Let's not try to shut it off. Let's just run, run away. away. Yeah. Let everybody else die. And they said it was like in a cavern of brick and mortar, right? So this thing is really really close to other buildings that probably yeah. house people yeah because i was fairly certain structures back then were like wooden if they were for like wooden and brick uh the industrial revolution had yes. taken off yet yeah so but true. still for but also construction or we knew work that, areas we knew that england built there remember we watched that uh okay so not to put a plug too much for disney plus but um <laughs> we watch what is it? Draining? Draining of the oceans. Draining, draining of the oceans. Really. Yeah, really. Um, but anyway, it was the draining of uh, Port Royal. Yeah? Yeah. And so basically, we do know this. The streets are narrow because it was built like England. They had stone and 
this was in the 1700s when it went down. Yeah, but any like shops or work centers, basically where you'd work, were wooden buildings. Residential areas were solid, well, brick and mortar and stone. Well, aren't they in a residential area? It's right outside of their house. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is they could have other people killed by their stupid... I know, and it's... House it's, heating. And a lights. narrow fucking alleyway, too. It's, it's, it's incredible. It sounds like it's an alleyway of an alleyway, like, in between buildings. It's an inception within an inception. Yeah. Yeah. This is just all together, like, oh, don't relieve the pressure. Don't try to, like, smother the coal. No, just let it... Oh, yeah, by the way, you guys, Stella is... Um, mechanically pursu- inclined. Mechanically inclined, inclined, pursuing to become an inventor one day. And I just know from, like, my little experience in steam engines that... Uh, if the pressure is too high, it can be dangerous, obviously. And you can relieve some of the pressure with a pressure relief valve. That's why valves are important. pressure. Yes. And also, <laughs> if it's getting too hot, coal is ridiculously hot. Pouring water on the coal does not do much, but it would still help. Yeah. Even putting in, like Cass said, the damp coals, they probably have some damp coal around. They could throw that on top, throw water in, and contain this disaster but instead they're just like eh fuck it everybody else can pay for our sins yeah continue on my sweet child let's see step back again and again and movement at the edge of Casta's vision caught his attention Ooh, who could it be he turned his head head to peer to the dimness of the alley that ran from the street a woman who the stack itself shook, the pressure building up inside, the rivets holding its tubular form commenced to pop off in sudden bullet-like haste. The twins threw themselves away from the machine, scrambling over the cobbles, intent only on getting as far as imminent death as possible. Yeah, imminent death. I'm blinking my eyes ridiculously because this is stupid. Well, what's even more stupid? Excuse me for a second, I need to sneeze. Blessed. <laughs> From all my sins. Any gay. Including reading this book. <laughs> I wish. No, that's sending me straight to hell. Anyway. Um, they say it explodes. It's right in front of their house. In a narrow alleyway. Their house doesn't get blown down. Yeah. We know that from... Reading yeah. on. Yeah, it's just... anyway. Let's continue. This This is such garbage continue please please the twins threw themselves away from the machine scrambling over the cobbles intent only on getting as far from imminent death as possible then Cass remembered the woman he twisted half about to see that she had come closer her appalled gaze on the wheezing screaming buckling machine opposite pulled through an arm over his face we need to get out of here out of here exclamation point end quote Cass pointed, pulled towards the door to the safe interior of the building. Oh, I guess they did have safety in mind. I guess the explosion, if possible, won't... Kill them. I, I suppose. Apparently. He turned back <clears throat> to the woman stood, her face pale and her hands held before her. She was finally backing away. As if it was now quite obvious, the machine was about to explode like a Chinese firework. Ooh. But she wasn't moving fast enough. Cass ran at her, full out, 
diving into her, wrapping his arms about her, and throwing them both back into the narrow, angled safety of the street entrance. Just as they hit the hard, slimy cobbles, the monster behind them groaned into a roar. Her crush didn't save her. Which was my note. The crush didn't save her. Thank you, Stella. <laughs> Is that end of chapter one? Yeah, that's the end of chapter one, thank God. Uh, uh, you also forgot to mention my cob- oh. comments about Maddie's um, first impression of... Oh, that's a personal thing. I have a friend named Maddie... And her first impression of me was deaf atop. And I can't... Oh, yeah, running like a top. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, what's your first impression of me? Definitely a top. <laughs> and then, Cash shook his head. I didn't say damp. And isn't it... <laughs> right at this moment, we're running like a top. Running like a top. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. That's hilarious. I guess um, Cass was running like a top. Running like a top. Mm. But yeah, as we know, Miss Miranda had a crush on Pollock's buttocks. We get it. We get it. Thank you. And Cass saved her. So now she's going to be confused, wondering I, why fuckboy Cass saved her. I just realized Because that she doesn't know they're twins. Like, you're obsessing over somebody and you somehow don't know they have a twin. You know where they live and you don't know they have a twin. Yeah. Also, I just realized that Paul is short for Pollux. That's why I keep on saying Paul. Pollux. <laughs> well, it's a P, not a B. I know, but I couldn't help myself. It's just so close. Also, something I do appreciate about uh, this author in particular is using names. I have read, like, okay, a whole total of two, including this one halfway through, like, three romance novels. And they you don't mention... You've read some? Some, but they were really oh. bad. They were worse than this. I wish they knew the names. We'd oh. make another podcast after. <laughs> no but wonder she, uh, It's not until the third chapter so. that this strange woman who's alone in the fucking valley and the strong farmhand with ten pound hands finally has a name. John. Just, yeah, John and Cindy or something. It's like, I don't know who these people are. And, and the fact that there's other characters involved you don't know their name. And that just might be down to... It's just he said, he said, she said. Exactly. So you yeah. don't really know who is the main romantic couple to be, or in this case, three different people. You don't know. So it's just nice that the author did include right away names to things, as most authors should. I mean, it's a basic thing to do, but I have to agree that is pretty nice. How was this originally Seven ninety nine. You gotta start somewhere. Three dollars is understandable. I would not pay eight dollars for this. Mm, knowing how much fun we're having with it, I would. Aww. Okay, yeah. Actually, okay. To save I, on a budget more, we'll order books through the great Amazon. Yeah, except those will be uh, paperback because we have no respect for them. We could probably also find some off of, like, we live near some cheap stores, too, so we could probably go there, too. Anyway, I think that's a wrap. Uh, thank God, finally. I mean, it's eight pages later. I know it seems... We were so overwhelmed when we first read this chapter. The second time around, it's a little less overwhelming. And this episode's a little bit longer, I think, than the rest of them, because there's just, like, the introductories and everything. But the rest should be shorter. 
then again, we have way more highlighted areas in the other chapters because it gets... Yeah, I mean, most of this was just cringe and ooh, what a twist with her crush didn't catch her and how much Pollux is apparently, like, how Pollux and Castor, Pole and Castor, like, creating stuff. But I'm also excited to see, like, when we Google and research things about the book that we think are historically accurate, we might be wrong, we might rewrite. It's just nice to get educated, too. Um, Something that I think we've talked about is, like, taking all the mashups of the most iconic moments or maybe all the cringe and just setting it into one part or just reading it through whatever we highlighted. I'd love to see this book edited just in our highlights. God. (laughs) So there's no like smooth transition there's no actual good parts of the book it's just yeah no it's just crap like for example if we did it that way it would literally be like well the rest of that was better not thought on time and maturity had finally gifted miranda with a bit of a bosom and she'd learned to manage her elbows and knees with grace mostly by keeping her movement slow and flowing she could see very little but dingy cobblestones and oh shadowy rubbish bins the morning sun did not illuminate now it just sounds like she has like no senses <laughs> and she doesn't know what the hell she's where she is <laughs> we have to do another podcast of our highlighted books i think we should do that at the very end where we just take all the highlights the maybe. recap yeah the recap the only highlighted <laughs> only highlights doesn't matter if it's an asshole moment, doesn't matter if it's cringe, doesn't matter if it's cheesy. Yes, I'm punching the book because I'm hurting inside. We will read this with just highlights. Oh my. <laughs> it's actually going to make sense towards the end because we keep highlighting more and more. Because <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse. This is like actually, I thought this was bad. The further in, it gets worse. I hope you guys have enjoyed your nice, lovely little taste of torture. And just... Not torture. And then comes marriage. (laughs) Yeah, it's more like you get a married couple. Make one die, and then put two twins in there. Yeah. Romance novel. Well, I mean, we're a married couple, and we've been together for years, and we just see this as such bullshit. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be the one exciting part of the book is there's an explosion. Michael Bay style. I've already read ahead. I'm not going to give... Well, I didn't read ahead ahead. Like, I read, like, reviews, like, summaries. You remember that one time I got a book from someone I didn't like, and they gave me a romance novel after I told them I didn't like romance novels? Mm -hmm. So I didn't read the whole entire book. I just looked up the summary and then told them what I apparently read. Because I, I told them already and they gave it to me anyway. I did that so much in elementary school. I would just Google summaries. I think the first book I did that was like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh my god. That's better writing than this for sure. But yeah, anyway, uh, we'll see where this goes. We hope you enjoyed our commentary. And are dying inside. Uh, We will be uh, hopefully making these nicer soon. I basically have nothing set up yet. If you are listening to this, it's because I do have something set up finally. Or I send it to you personally because I talked to you about doing this and you said it was funny. Yeah. Not naming names. (laughs) Friend. You know who you are. I also think we did this without a script really well. 
I think so. I, I guess we should have wrote a script. We'll add music. We'll, we'll, we'll try to make it nice. But this is honestly just a dumpster fire of a podcast. If you're listening to this, it's because you're listening to a dumpster fire. And what else do you have to do during COVID? Suffer. And probably go to work sometimes. I hope people, I hope you guys are staying safe out there during this pandemic. Seriously. Wear your mask. Sanitize often. Don't have parties. Don't have parties. Please don't have parties. Make a bunch of TikToks with your friends about the dumb shit you do. Don't be in front of your friends coughing or breathing on them. Breathing is an aerosol. Aerosol can get through your mask. You will die. Beautiful. Beautiful said. But seriously, take care of yourselves. Take care of those you love. Tell someone that they're beautiful. Make this place better because clearly we are going through personal issues and Armageddon in this world. I swear to God, it's just like a global, a global nightmare. You know, this is the stuff you read about, like, 2012 had nothing on 2020. This is our time. Like, I don't actually think this is apocalypse, just to let you guys know. I am not like that. I just am joking. So please do not take it like that. Though I do love all the Armageddon memes and the apocalypse memes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Officially wrap. Officially wrap. Bye, guys. See you next week where we just die inside reading chapter two, wondering why we decided to do this. From Stella and Adhara. Bye. Bye. Bye.